Blog Talk Radio. the Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast and podcast. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and today is Saturday, August 6, 2022. And I do want to welcome those of you listening in the future or in the live moment, wherever you may be. And I do know that there are people listening who are in various parts of the world. And so know that as I talk about the topic today, because I aim to be as broad as possible so that this will be meaningful for you wherever you are and not just based on where I am. Today I'm going to reflect upon something that is really a very serious topic, trust and discernment. What is the balance and how are these two related? How do we know when to trust? How do we know when something feels off? How do we know when to look for the information that will help us with whatever decision that we face? And it really starts with each of us because this impacts, obviously, our societies, our entire world. But it starts with each of us. And leading into the program today, as usual, I had certain things that, you know, I turned on a movie, for example, not really thinking about, I haven't seen this movie in a really, really long time. And sometimes before I come on live, I do, I do something away from the show, something, you know, not reading, because I did that earlier, looking, you know, opening some books to see what wisdom might arise right before this program. And I have had this movie on my DVR for a while, and many of you have never heard of this movie. It's an older movie. It's a movie of its time. It's based on a book, and it's one that um, I first saw when I was very young. But, you know, it's funny how the movie has more meaning when you're older, and I've only started to watch the beginning of this movie, and it's called Kitty Foyle, and it was made in 1940, and it's based on a book, and I don't have right in front of me what that book was and who wrote it, but that's okay. I want to communicate to you how this surprisingly 
related to the topic. In this movie, there's a woman who has to make a personal decision, clearly. And she's going back in her life. She's not all that old, really, but she's had some life experience. And suddenly, um, her other self, her guiding self, this inner wisdom, starts talking to her, having her consider, you know, who is conducting your train. That was one of the things that, you know, her she's, she's pondering this to herself, whether to make this personal decision. And she's thinking back on her life, and she's thinking back on how she had been, you know, very obstinate about something um, in the past, how she knew that she was right. And it's like, you've said that before, that you knew that you were right. And maybe she wasn't right. Maybe she wasn't right back then. And how this relates, the, the, the part that really got me is also related to some um, things that I got from some books before I turned on the movie. And I didn't watch all of this movie. I've seen it before. Um, it's been a long time. Who is conducting your train? She lived in a time of trains. Some of you live in parts of the world where trains are more common. Um, here in the U.S., we don't have high-speed rail. We don't, we don't see trains as much. Maybe if you're in the city, you might be on light rail or some form of that. Um, or you might take the subway somewhere. But, and another analogy that I'm going to talk about, in fact, this was the first thing I opened to, and I'm not going to read it because it's fairly complex, um, but it's also related. I've turned right to a page in William Shakespeare's The Tempest that had to do with figuring out how to keep a boat afloat. They were on a boat in a storm, and who do you trust? How do you stay afloat? How do we get to our destination? And by the way, Shakespeare lived from 1564 to 1616, as I always like to mention that with the authors that I'm talking about. And of course, Shakespeare is very well known, but it's still worthwhile. Have you thought about when he lived recently? Perhaps not. Who is, what is, conducting the train that you're on. And that, by the way, assumes that you're a passenger. You're a passenger in a boat. You're a passenger in a train. Maybe you're on an airplane. That's even more hazardous as to who's flying the plane. <laughs> Do you trust? Do you trust in that which you have placed, either your life, your local area, your society, your world. How do you know who and what to trust? And how can you be discerning? At the beginning of Kitty Foyle, that's a Exactly what she's doing. She's lived through some things. She's made clearly, in fact, you're just starting to see her story. 
Um, she's made some choices she doesn't seem to be happy with. Everybody in life makes choices that they're not happy with. Everybody in life is at some point too trusting in something perhaps they shouldn't be trusting in, or they're being intimidated, or they're in a state of fear, because fear can so often influence our discernment. When I think about where do we place our trust, and this I was thinking of well before, well, I just decided to do this program this morning, but I was another thing I often will do, at least while the weather is nice, is I'll sit outside for a while after I post the show description and I'll reflect. Often these programs as to what they're going to be come to me when I'm walking in nature, which I was doing earlier. And I tend not to do a lot of work before the program in terms of my actual whatever. This is part of my personal work, but whatever other work I may be engaged in, I try to keep myself open to what may come. That is a state of trust. But what I realized as I was sitting outside, although this isn't, shouldn't come across as too dramatic to you, is just how important and how different it can be as to whether you believe in nothing, no divine, no miracles, nothing beyond that skeptical world, that materialistic world where that's all there is. If that's all you see, if that's all you see, and there are people definitely that they insist that the materialistic world is the only reality. Unfortunately, those of us who have seen and confirmed and have seen all the evidence you could possibly see for our own selves to know it with certainty, this isn't about belief. It isn't even about trust. It's about seeing that there is more to this world. And it's so obvious once you see it. You know, it's funny. I was listening to a whole kind of a totally different kind of a source. Um, it was um, basically, I'm trying to think where I even heard this. Um, I believe it, it, um, it, it was, well, I don't know if I'd say it was totally different. But um, it basically had to do with, and I've said this before on this program, if you want to know, if there is more, that there is a creator, that there is the divine, however you might label that, ask. Simply ask. Because it will demonstrate it to yourself. You will see it. And, you know, I think that many of us are we're certainly looking for ways to provide um, substantial proof of some things. We really are. I'm sure there are many people who are trying to do this. But ultimately, it will prove itself to begin with to you in ways that are very verifiable, that are not just, you know, quote, in your head, things you can confirm, things that tell you, wow, I mean, hold on to your hat because you're in for quite a ride um, if you don't believe in any of this and Suddenly you see it and you see the proof for yourself because you will. If you really want to know, you will. 
maybe there's a matter of soul choice and fate in all of this as to when you in your life or if ever are to know. I can I have to say that as a caveat. I can't guarantee you'll see. But it's my every hope that you will because you deserve to see it. You want to see it. It's not always easy to see it because then you got to think about everything else. It's like, can you trust in what this is? What's its motivation? <laughs> you know, we project human qualities here. Is it of darkness? Is it of light? I'm not talking about lower vibrational type things. I'm talking about asking and looking for that which is the creator, however you label that to be. I have seen it to be a very personal, loving thing. Um, thing doesn't quite, quite capture it. Um, but that is based, that part is, sure, that has an experiential element to it, doesn't it? Every time I come into this program and there are meaningful coincidences, synchronicities, such as turning on Kitty Foyle and it was totally relevant, such as opening right to the page in The Tempest where it's a similar theme. Who's going, you know, how, who do we trust? to help keep this boat afloat. Um, Kitty Foyle, who's conducting this train that you're on? Do you need to get off that train and get on another train? That's a really good question, isn't it? Who and where and what? Where are we placing our trust? How can we be discerning how can we listen, those of us who are fortunate enough, and really it is a wonderful thing, and I wish more and more people could experience this, who know that there is more to this world than the materialists claim, that how limiting that is, and that someday that paradigm of thinking about the world that way will, will end because it will be clear that it is incorrect, that it does not describe this reality. There are always those who are so anxious to cling to that really very shallow type of a world. See, the problem with a higher understanding is it comes with some responsibility. It comes... It will test us. It tests our relationship with fear. I mean, it's like every story that you've ever seen. Look at Wizard of Oz when Dorothy is suddenly in Oz and she sees it. It's right there. And in that case, some could say, well, that's experiential. She could be imagining it. There are always some things that you could be imagining. But when you're having this experience, or it could be certainly projected that way, you can demonstrate it, and it becomes demonstrated to you. It becomes so um, clearly beyond the material, the miracles, the healing 
that many have observed and have experienced, things that I've talked about so many times on this program and others of you have seen, have experienced. You know there's more. There's more. It's a higher reality. I don't need to label it. I think that there are um, many very good labels for what this is. That can sometimes block some of us if we thrust a label onto it. So, and yet I think there are some ways of considering what this is and naming what this is that are really very accurate, are good ways of looking at it, such as a higher dimensional reality. It's impossible for me to talk about trust and discernment, I realized, without considering how much different it is for those of us who are living in that reality, who have seen that there is a higher reality, who have seen the miraculous reality, who have had it demonstrated to us that it is not a belief, that it is as real as real can be. Some may say, well, it wasn't real for Dorothy. She was in a dream. Well, we can play little mind games like that all day long. We could be in a video game. You know, then all bets are off, right? Well, then that's where you need a higher trust, I suppose. A higher trust, even higher. There is some space for faith here. There is some space for belief. There is some space for trust when you can thrust onto reality this idea, oh, it could just all be a video game. But, you know, the interesting thing about that is... um, Once you acknowledge that and that you're seeing something that's more, you're still seeing more. You're just trying to define. And as a scientist, yes, I have to say for some, you know, if you now see that there is more than meets the eye to this world and you choose to label that as, oh, you know, it's some other species playing a game, you know, or um, you know, it's an artificial reality. It's it, and and this gets complicated because then you have to say, well, what is artificial? What is illusion? What is reality? What are we doing here? I think it's very um, meaningful for me to believe that we're all going through a kind of an exercise. Some people have called it a game. I think it's a growth exercise. I think game really. Um, makes it sound very shallow as to what this is. This is a soul growth experience that we're going through. And one of the reasons as I was speaking, I gave room to people who may never see. I mean, I would hope that they would. If you asked, I would hope that you could see. But it may be a soul choice. It may be a soul family choice where You know, we have agreements with other souls. And, you know, this person is is never going to, you know, this is the role. This person's going to be a very strict materialism. And how sad, or materialist, how sad, really. I mean, we should have empathy for anyone who will be stuck in only seeing 
materialism as their reality because that is such a limited place. Many of us have hoped that it'll open up like opening up a window, like awakening. Yes, we can awake. Will we all awaken? There are many interpretations of that. Ultimately, I can only go back to each of us is on a soul journey. And we will open as we have whatever we need to do to grow, whatever we need to do to help one another grow, because you're not in this alone. There's more to this. And one of the reasons I came into this topic, because some of this is very, very tangible. What do we place our trust in? How do we use our discernment? Because there certainly are people in the world who um, are very caught in ego, in a space of, of, of wounded ego, there certainly are people in the world who will intentionally, for their own gain or for some something that is generally selfish in some way, but it could also, it, usually selfishness comes from fear, by the way. Um, if someone is doing something like intentionally um, shading truth, and by the way, that's a very subtle art, isn't it, to um, maybe you, you present some truth, but you not enough of the truth. Well, a partial truth can be just as blatantly false as an outright falsehood, because if you don't have the whole truth, you know, in court, for example, they ask for the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and that is such a rare thing in our world and that's a difficult thing too especially when you're dealing with other people you may not be um intentionally trying to intimidate or or channel someone to a certain place um in a deceptive selfish or self-serving way but you may only be able to to um be as authentic as you can be authenticity is a process and there's some ways that only us. We can only have this relationship with ourselves and with the divine because we're the only ones that know our full story and who we are and what brought us to where we are. And yeah, the, the mistakes and the good choices and the things that were projected that were false, the projections we made that were false. So this doesn't exactly have to do with being raw and authentic because each of us will be the best that we can be in a certain situation. I, for example, am not talking about like every little detail of the world right now, and that's very intentional. I'm doing my best to speak to as many of you as possible wherever you are, in the place that you are, so that you can listen without, you know, casting a particular definition onto me. I think many of us are not so easily defined. But what I can say from the standpoint of discernment and even from science, real science, not the materialistic religion, because it is a form of religion, unfortunately. It's a 
It's unfortunately something that is being pushed. It's a form, actually, this came up in a different way recently. It's a form of fundamentalism, um, and there can be many forms of that. And I, I've thought about this before, and it came up recently with a friend. When, when we cling to a false reality, now you can have a form of truth that you know is true, like I will insist, you know, as long as I am on this earth, that I have seen evidence of miracles, what others would say, of non-material things that occurred in ways that are so statistically unlikely that I know there is more to this reality, period. I will insist on that. So I suppose that's my form, (laughs) that particular thing that I insist on, because I have seen what I need to see as clearly as I see, you know, anything else, the computer that's in front of me, anything. I've seen it and others have too. There are many who will insist that they have witnessed a healing or been healed and they know it because it happened. I know the live show is getting close to the end. And I am going to probably quote a few things in the second part of the show, um, but I do want to acknowledge those of you who've been listening live and just very quickly um, direct you to FrontierBeyondFear.com, which I will get up to date, where you can find this show afterwards and see the whole thing. And also you can find the archive where you can always find these episodes. Back to the point. I always kind of interrupt my train of thought, and I know that's a little bit difficult if you're listening in the podcast, um, but I have to acknowledge the people listening live, and I always have to thank Blog Talk Radio, where this program originates, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, for highlighting the program as it is right now on their homepage, and also it's um, being highlighted on the live spirituality page and and in other ways on the live page. So I always acknowledge that because I'm in a space of gratitude for that. We need to be discerning right now. This has always been true on planet Earth, and I would wager it's the same in other places too, depending on what tests and what soul journeys we may encounter there. It is so very important to consider where trust is being placed, what are the motivations, what illusions, perhaps, are those that you are placing trust in, what illusions are they under that you know are false? When you think about wherever you live, what is really happening? What will really help? These things can come to you. It can become quite clear, or certainly it can become clear that's not helping. And I'm not going to be on that train. Choosing the train, that's a wonderful, wonderful analogy. I'm so glad I turned on that movie. 
because just that part alone, there are so many trains we can get on. And, yeah, it's going and it's going fast and somebody else is driving it and it's not you. And I'm not talking about the divine. And maybe it's going to a place that is totally based on an illusion or maybe somebody has even been deceptive, saying, hey, there's a whole bunch of tracks up ahead and it's really going straight for a wall or a cliff. You don't want to be on that train. It's that clear. You don't want to be. Nobody wants to be on that train. Really, even the people conducting that train don't want to be on it, but sometimes they're so caught up in whatever it is they're caught up in, they don't even know that. We can deceive ourselves. We can have cognitive bias. And this isn't what I'm talking about when we see very meaningful coincidences that we can demonstrate that are quite detailed. But there can be other things that can happen which falsely keep us on a train that we really deep down Hey, this is when your intuition comes into play. This is when what I believe is divine guidance comes into play. It's just that feeling of this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel entirely truthful. This feels like um, these people have motivations that are not aligned with what one would consider good. Think of times in history when that's happened, and how people get caught up in things. We can choose what train we're on. What are we aligning with? You know, while I was sitting outside, I was also thinking about how every one of us has a different perspective and how it's always going to be different. So, I'm not saying we all have to agree, because we won't. We won't all agree. We are not the same. Each of us comes with different experiences, but there is a kind of an alignment. So so you can be, um, you know, supportive or in a situation where you're with, you're on a train with people who aren't exactly you. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Nobody is you. They're them. They're having their own soul journey. And so there can be nuances as to how we label things or, um, you know, different experiences that lead to somewhat different conclusions. But there can still be a feeling of general alignment like, we really do care about this, and this is more important perhaps than that, or that, and look at how vague I'm being on purpose. You guys are all living in different places, and face, I know there's some things we're all facing together as a world. You can feel it when something is very much opposed to what you know as a scientist, Data may be coming forward that totally contradicts whatever that is. And it's clear and it's convincing for you. You've seen it 
and it's good enough, and you know this. Well, then, you know that that train isn't going to help because it's not even based on real data. This is how science works. I actually believe the materialistic train is not based on real data and that the people on that train aren't even looking for it. They don't want to look because of fear or just, in some cases, it can be arrogance, but not always. In some cases, it can just be just such, they, they want to believe in material reality, which is sad because non-material reality is so much more interesting. And deep down, I think they really would like to see it. But unfortunately, they're stuck. They're stuck in a paradigm and they're not even looking for evidence. Whether they'll be broken out of it or not, I can hope. It can happen, but it can take some time. And out of empathy, oh my goodness, I hope that it does. You can be on many harmful trains. You can be on the hate train. Well, that's not such a good train, is it? I mean, the selfish train, like, let's just, you know, deceive and take advantage of everybody for our own, you know, just a selfish, small, not really caring about anybody else kind of a train. Well, obviously, although sadly, a lot of people, well, I don't know about a lot, but what happens is the conductors of those trains don't necessarily want you to know that you're on that train, so you may be on it and not even realize it, and maybe you need to get on another one. The train that you're on is in your head to start. You need to get straight with yourself. In fact, again, that movie, what a wonderful synchronicity for that to show up before this program, really, because that's really what she was doing. She was sorting out a choice. She was getting straight with herself. It is true that the divine, of course, really helps. But you know, we're here as souls. Choice is really important at the divine level and at the soul choice level on this planet. Even when you see that there is more to this reality than meets the eye, you are still choosing you are still choosing what to align yourself with. I choose, for example, to align myself with the highest love, unconditional love, empathic love. I cannot live my life perfectly, but I expect at that level, I expect that level of behavior, that level of love. That's very important with my own trust, where I can place trust, where I can be discerning with respect to a conductor of any train, including higher trains, or I suppose if it was a a train not being guided by love, that would be a lower train. <laughs> but, um, and we all, again, on the planet, um, it's, it's not an easy journey. We all make choices that we regret. 
We all learn things, and sometimes we make them again and say, gosh, why did I do that? Why? You know, I have found when some something I fall into that I'm not happy with, I think, okay, why did that happen again? I know that I don't, um, you know, I really want to break free of, you know, be more aligned with, with love, even more aligned, even more. So why? Why? Usually it's because we don't, um, it's because of some lack of self-esteem, I have found, is that it usually has nothing to do with projecting outside of ourselves. It has to do how we have to learn to love and honor ourselves more, who we are, so that we're not influenced by something. Sometimes our biology will influence us in ways that are not really helpful for us. There are a lot of things that can happen in life. And the best thing we can do is keep consciously learning. That will help us with our trust and our discernment. I'm going to look now, for a few minutes anyway. I've I've been talking so much. Um, today that I almost forgot what it is that I found in these books. I didn't find too much today. Um, I will say that earlier in the week, or not, I guess a couple days ago, I decided to read all of Walden again by Henry David Thoreau. I'm not reading from there today, but I did read one passage where he seemed to lack trust in people who are older because he was fairly young. I believe he was around 30. If I'm wrong, I'll I'll tell you the correction later, but I think he was around 30. And he seemed to think that people who were older, he writes about um, how, you know, people who were older maybe didn't understand the world all that well, you know, but he did. And well, that's how young people think. In fact, I've seen this in other places. Gosh, what was it I was watching? Oh, I don't know. I think it was a movie, but it was based on something. Just that very young people can be really passionate about things, and I was too. And sometimes we're right, but a lot of times we really need to live longer to have some experience so that we can really see better. Um, It doesn't mean that young people don't have wonderful ideas, and I did too. I was young once. I had some great ideas when I was younger, but never discount what experience can bring to the equation as well. Those ideas can often have tremendous value. There are poems I wrote when I was young that I love now and are meaningful to me now, and there are things that um, I saw and maybe even felt really strongly about at the time, that we're not wrong. So I'm not saying if you're young and listening that you're just wrong. But I will say that experience does teach things. There are things I wish I had known that I didn't, that, you know, I might have liked to have heard this show. I even saw Kitty Foyle when I was young, but I didn't listen well enough to it because it has so much to do with making choices that are the right choices for you that really honor yourself that really um and and you know that movie just even based on the time it was in has a lot of things um that are based in that time and a lot of things have changed since then and actually it kind of reflects how even then things were starting to change but 
I'm not even talking about that specifically. All I'm saying is that there is something to experience, and we cannot discount that. That doesn't mean that young voices don't have amazing things to share. And I listen to my own young voice sometimes and think, you know, that is so cool. But the thing is, is we can also have a tendency to just, we need to live more of a life. I mean, really, sometimes you need to, to really see things more clearly. Like, and yes, there are things in the world that will take advantage of you. And you look back in time and you say, oh, my goodness, I had no idea back then about that. That's unfortunate, yet true. And some of those things, unfortunately, do come from someone who's more experienced and should know better. But they don't. Their life journey has not led to growth. That may be sort of what Thoreau is talking about in the sense of, if you haven't learned anything from your life journey, if you're not having a conscious life where you really want to learn and grow and improve, Well, then, that doesn't mean you haven't made mistakes, but where you can look at them and say, yeah, that was a mistake. (laughs) And, and, oh, my goodness, look at how that train, that conductor was just leading the totally wrong way. And, boy, how deceptive was that? Maybe consciously. I think so. That often happens. There are people in the world who do not have the highest interests in mind. And we all can be imperfect at times, but there there can be things that are really unhealthy. And unfortunately, the young may not know that, may have not even thought about that. And look, they're on the wrong train. Hopefully they get off. And sometimes life will get them off. Sometimes there can be some real tragedy and devastation. And I feel for you. I feel for myself at times when I wasn't on the right train and it didn't, you know, but I trust too. I trust, you have to trust in your life. When you get older, you realize every experience, good or bad, led you to here. And even if there are challenges in the here, whatever they are, those you would not be the person that you are if not for what happened back then. So trust in your soul journey, but also value people who have experience and are doing their best, another very important thing, to live consciously, doing their best in the moment, to learn from experience, they really can help you. And when you trust and are discerning, some of those people may come into your life. There can be young people who are just, you know, they talk about wise beyond your years. Well, those that can be soul wisdom. There can be, of course, wisdom in youth. I'm not here discounting being young. But let's not discount being old either or anywhere in between. There are lessons to be learned. And there are trains that people have been getting on and on and on and on. And it's not a good train. And if you don't know that, how do you know? And so you make the same mistake as all the people before you did. Then you learn, hopefully. Hopefully you have the opportunity. 
So I wanted, I turned in Ralph Waldo Emerson once again. I know I speak from him quite often. Um, lived 1803 to 1882. This is from the essay Experience. If I have described life as a flux of moods, I must now add that there is that in us which changes not and which ranks all sensations and states of mind. The consciousness in each man is a sliding scale which identifies him now with the first cause, first and cause are capitalized, and now with the flesh of his body. Life above life in infinite degrees. The sentiment from which it sprung determines the dignity of any deed. And the question ever is, not what you have done or forborne, but at whose command you have done or forborne it. Actually, I hadn't read that whole section before. That can be interpreted different ways. I have an experience and an expectation of the divine as a very unconditionally loving, omnipresent, personal thing. So it's more about impetus than command. If he was talking, I'm not quite sure this whole passage. When you look in the past, you have to think. Now, he was a believer in the experience of the divine. There's a difference between impetus and command, a huge difference. Impetus is based on discernment and trust. This feels right. This feels in alignment with love. Command, well, you know, that's just do it. And there's no impetus, you know, maybe you don't even want to do it. The thing is, is, and that's not just about wanting to do it. Maybe it doesn't feel right. Maybe it doesn't feel in alignment with love. Impetus is about discernment. Impetus is about trust. This is more about definition than anything else. How do we define the loving divine? How do we define it? That helps us to relate to what that is at the highest possible level. And when I say that it is omnipresent, it doesn't mean that a higher level doesn't exist. Because sometimes... It can seem, it, it's, it's hard to explain. We, while on this planet, do not have full awareness of everything. You can't just see what that new telescope is seeing, for example. I mean, you might in a vision or in a dream, so that gets complicated. But there are levels of awareness. There are levels of being. But there's also this oneness where you're inseparable 
And to believe that God, however you label God, is everywhere, you necessarily cannot be separated from the divine. So that then can help you with your awareness and help you with your discernment. There is help. There is help. But I'm a little bit cautious when I see words like command. What is the impetus? Yes, we can be told this is the right thing to do. Absolutely. And there are many different, you're in all different parts of the world, all different beliefs. Of course, there are um, things that we're told this is, this is a good thing. This is how, but you know, where it really works is when it gets inside of you. When you just know it, when it's not just about um, being told, it's about knowing feels right. That feels wrong. And it, this is what discernment is. That's how you avoid some of the worst mistakes in human history, which led to utter cruelty and devastation. Like, that is cruel. That is wrong. There can be this um and you know wrong not of love not of love not aligned with love look at the most horrible things you can think about some of you are living in areas where some very difficult things are happening and that can be that's true in parts of the US too and we can all have lives where something really difficult happens, wherever we are, and where someone behaves horribly, horribly, in a very dark, dark way. Discernment is knowing, I'm not going to be anywhere near that train. That's how you avoid these dark outcomes. There is darkness and light. Light is the highest reality. Darkness is not seeing the light clearly. Nuances of the dark can reveal the light. The light, if all we saw was bright, 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 it's so bright, it's so bright. We might not see the light at all. That's all we'd know. And so we're here to learn and grow. I'm going to close the program with a poem that I opened to that has nothing to do with the theme of the program, but has a lot to do with the time of year that I find myself in. And some of you I know are coming into spring because there are people who live in a different hemisphere who are listening to this program. And some of you, like me, are seeing the end of summer approaching. And this I turned right to by Emily Dickinson, who lived 1830 to 1886. It's a very brief poem. As imperceptibly as grief, the summer lapsed away. Too imperceptible at last. It too seemed like perfidy, a quietness distilled, as twilight long begun, or nature spending with herself 
sequestered afternoon. The dusk drew earlier in. The morning foreign shone. A courteous yet harrowing grace as guest that would be gone. And thus without a wing or service of a keel, our summer made her light escape into the beautiful. This is verse 1540 from Emily Dickinson. And wow, there's a lot in that. Isn't it interesting how it starts as in, as imperceptibly as grief, the summer lapsed away. That's about healing. That's about healing. And there's hope for the world. Things that are ending. Things that, um, you know, she talks about a guest who will soon be leaving, for example. But there's hope in that part about grief, how when we're feeling something so much, whether we've been heartbroken by a situation where we've really lost a loved one, where we're experiencing grief and loss, it starts to fade at some point. And you really don't know how that happened. That's what she's talking about. And maybe that's even more applicable, that part, to those of you who are experiencing winter right now. The spring is gently coming in. Here it's fall. And look at how she sees the beauty in it, in everything. Maybe she doesn't want to let the summer go. But she's surrendering to beauty beauty with grace. It's a beautiful verse, and it was synchronistic in the sense that it didn't have to do so much with the theme of the program as with the time of year as we get into August. We still have some summer left. I know school is starting soon for maybe some of you. Some of us, even when we're older, can be going back to school. That I know someone right now who's getting a Ph.D. who's, you know, not, not, not a young person. Any of us can go back to school. Maybe we have renewed goals as we head into the fall. That often happens with me. Um, I find I return to maybe some of the same goals I haven't accomplished yet. So I will let that verse, which is very meaningful in a deep way, I will let that end today's program. Thank you for being here. Again, FrontierBeyondFear.com. I'll get it updated. It's just slightly behind. Um, it's where you can find the archive. I've been reflecting a lot about a lot of topics recently, and I'm happy that over time, gently, you find these shows because I talk from my heart as just a real person. That's my intent here. And yes, every week, pretty consistently, this show is broadcast live on Blog Talk Radio, even though you can find it on other syndicates later, um, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And just go to FrontierBeyondFear.com and click on it close to when the show will begin. You'll see what the topic is or almost 
pretty much every time blogtalkradio.com is highlighting it right before the program, too. And usually I define the shows within only about 90 minutes of the actual show so that I can really follow my heart with what it is I'm going to talk about. And I trust that those who will discover it will discover it. I hope that's you. I know it is because you're listening now. So thank you so much. Take care, everyone. Thank you.